Welcome to the teaching and preaching ministry of Second Baptist Church, where we exist to delight in God, display His grace, and declare His gospel all through Jesus Christ our Lord. We can be reached at www.secondbaptist-mtv.com or by calling 618-244-1706. We trust you'll be encouraged and challenged by the message you're about to hear. about effective pastoral leadership, as we're going to see that here in a moment. There is also a lot here in this one verse about your response, church, both individually and corporately to that leadership. In fact, did you notice in this verse that it's actually directed at you, church? It's, it's, it's directed at you more so than it is the, the elders. Did you notice that? We see this very clearly in those two opening commands. Notice there in verse 17 where the author says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. So there's actually no explicit command here given to the elders. No, their responsibility is actually more implicit here than explicit. So church, this verse is actually directed at you. Now why? Why? in a verse that is dealing with effective pastoral ministry, why is it directed specifically at the congregation? And here's why. It's because effective pastoral ministry is dependent upon the congregation's response to that ministry. Let me say that again. Effective pastoral ministry is dependent upon the congregation's response to that ministry. That's what verse 17 is all about. And one of the first things that you notice about this verse is just how uncomfortable it is. Right? Isn't it? This verse is, is, is quite uncomfortable. There's a, there's a lot of discomfort in this verse, isn't there? Why? Well, first, because it's uncomfortable to hear Especially for us Western American evangelicals. We tend to, in this day and age, shy away from any mention of authority. Authority is bad. Authority is a bad word. We breathe the cultural air of anti-authority on a daily basis. We don't like that word. We tend to, to bristle at that word. So hearing commands like obey and submit... They make us uncomfortable. But listen, verse 17 is not only uncomfortable for you to hear, verse 17 is also uncomfortable to preach. You know why? Here's why. Because it feels so (laughs) self-serving. Doesn't it? It feels rather self-serving. Verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. That feels rather awkward. It feels rather uncomfortable for me to stand up here and to say that to you. Obey and submit, right? That's uncomfortable for me to preach. And yet the Bible is explicitly clear that God has given elders, He has given pastors to the church to lead and to exercise authority. So there's a certain level of God-given authority that he has entrusted to the elders of the church. 
In fact, in verse 17, notice the author of Hebrews, he simply refers to them as leaders. Verse 17, obey your leaders. These, of course, are the leaders of the church. Leaders are called to lead. Elsewhere, Acts chapter 20, Philippians chapter 1, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, pastors, they are also referred to as overseers, meaning they are to give oversight to the church. So there is a certain level of authority that is implied in those terms, leader and overseer. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul, he commends those elders in 1 Timothy 5 verse 17 who rule well. That's a strong term, isn't it? To rule. Elders are called to rule. So in other words, elders then, they are the main men in the church that God has set apart, He has called to lead, to exercise authority, to rule. They are to lead the way. They are called to inspire. They are called to model and persuade and give oversight and point the way. To point the way in truth. To point the way in ministry. To point the way in the church's mission. They are the ones who are to give vision and direction to the congregation. They are the ones who are to say, here's who we are and here's where we're going. They're called to lead. And they're called to lead with authority. However, God also knows that elders, being the sinners that we are, He also knows that we might be tempted to make this calling self-serving. You see it happen in churches all the time, don't you? An abuse of authority. 1 Peter chapter 5, you can turn there with me for a moment, I want you to see this. 1 Peter chapter 5. The Apostle Peter, he gives us a clear picture of what self-serving leadership looks like in a church. So, before we see what leadership is, what authority looks like for an elder here in Hebrews 13, I, I, I want you to first to see what it's not. 1 Peter chapter 5, listen to how Peter describes what pastoral leadership is not supposed to be. Verse 1, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So in verses 1 to 3, Peter, he describes what pastoral leadership is not. You see it there? Yes, they are called to exercise authority. Verse 2, but also notice those three knots in that passage. You see them there? Look at verse 2. Not under compulsion, not for shameful gain, verse 3, not domineering. So in other words, pastoral leadership is never to be self-serving. 
It is never to be self-serving. Yes, they lead. Yes, they exercise authority. But if it ever becomes self-serving leadership, then it is not biblical leadership. It is an abuse of leadership. Pastoral leadership doesn't manipulate. It doesn't coerce. It doesn't use people for personal gain. It doesn't stroke one's ego. It isn't to line one's pockets, Peter says. No, no, it is to be selfless for the good of the church and the glory of Christ. So this isn't a self-serving sermon. No, this is a charge to these men. This is a charge to myself. This is a charge to Scott and what he is now being called to. It's a reminder of what our leadership is supposed to look like. And so if this is not what pastoral leadership is, then what is it supposed to look like? Three things I want you to see. Hebrews 13. Three things. Number one, the elders' role in leading. The elders' role in leading. Number two, the church's response to their leading. And then three, the relationship between leaders and church members. And I hope, church, that this sermon, it will serve as a means by which you can evaluate your elders, how you can hold them accountable for how we lead you, and I pray that it will serve as a charge to you as well. So first, I want you to notice the elders' role in leading. The elders' role in leading. Go back to Hebrews 13. As the author of Hebrews now, he comes to a conclusion in this letter. Chapter 13, as we see, it is, it is just filled with important, practical exhortations for daily Christian living and, and for life in the local church. And they all flow directly out of chapter 12, verse 28, where notice in verse 28, the author of Hebrews says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And so we are now to, the author says, in light of the, these glorious, weighty truths of chapters 1 to 12, in light of Christ's redeeming, finished work on the cross, we are now, in light of that, the author says, to offer thankfulness. And service to God with, he says, reverence and awe. And so in chapter 13, the author, he begins now to list what those specific practical things are for how we are to do this. A list that includes things like, notice, brotherly love, and hospitality, and contentment, and purity in marriage. And the list just goes on in verse 13. But... But one of the things, one of the important ways we are to do this, one of the ways that we offer acceptable worship to God, he says, is in our appropriate response to church leadership. In fact, church leaders are mentioned three times here in chapter 13. Notice, we see it there in verse 17, our text this morning. Notice, though, back up in verse 7, as well as down, notice, in verse 24. Three times. He mentions church leaders. So it's clear now, as, as this author, he concludes the letter, he wants to emphasize here the importance of church leadership and the church's response to that leadership. So listen, church, verse 17 
is meant to incentivize you. It's meant to be an incentive to you. These two commands to obey and submit, they should be your glad response this morning. Now how so? Well, notice first the elders' role in leading. The elders' role in leading. Now, before we talk here specifically about how elders are to lead, I I just want to make two obvious points here that almost need to go without mentioning, but I'm going to mention them as well. Okay? Number one, I want you to notice here the plurality of elders. The plurality of elders. Notice in verse 17 that word leaders. Leaders. It's plural. Leaders. God has given authority and leadership in the church to a team, to a plurality of elders. In fact, in almost every reference in the New Testament, that term elders is in the plural. Benjamin Merkel, he writes this, he says, the New Testament evidence indicates that every church had a plurality of elders. There is no example, he says, in the New Testament of one elder or pastor leading a congregation as the sole or primary leader. It's a plurality. And and I must say that the reason that many churches have, have moved away from that model are many, but it's the biblical model. So church, when we say that we are elder-led as a congregation, what we mean is that we are committed to a leadership model that has a plurality of gifted, qualified men equal in authority who lead the church. So your team of elders is growing this morning from three to four. And I could give you several reasons. I could give you reason after reason why this is a healthy model. In fact, I had seven of them listed in my notes, but it's just too much this morning. Okay? So you can come and ask me later. But suffice it to say, the biblical picture is of a plurality of leaders, a plurality of elders. Here's the second thing I think that goes without mentioning, but I want to mention it anyways, is the variety of responsibilities for an elder. The variety of responsibilities. And what I mean by that is that the various and interchangeable titles for church leaders in Scripture, it shows us that this leadership role is multifaceted. In other words, there are many aspects to pastoral ministry. For example, here, chapter 13, they're simply called leaders. So elders, as I said, are to lead. I already mentioned, they are also overseers. They give oversight. They give direction to the church. And no doubt, this oversight, this direction, it would include overseeing church finances. It would include overseeing ministries and operations, overseeing teaching of the church. Elders are also called to protect the church. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, Paul He calls together all of the Ephesian elders before he leaves. And he tells them, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, his parting words to them. Verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. And then, 
in verse 29, notice what he says to them. He says that fierce wolves will come in among you, speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples. So here we see that one of the primary responsibilities, not, over, not only leading, not only giving oversight, one of the primary responsibilities of an elder is to guard and protect the church from false teachers and false doctrine. This is why in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, Paul says that one of the main qualifications, one of the main giftings of an elder is that 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, he must be able to teach. Titus chapter 1, verse 9, he must be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul, he calls them pastor teachers. So church, this is the role of an elder. He is called to instruct. He is called to teach. He's called to exhort and rebuke and correct and equip. He's to know sound doctrine. He's to be able to teach others that sound doctrine as well. However, one of the main ways in which Elders are called to lead as mentioned here in Hebrews 13. Go back to Hebrews 13. Look there. Verse 17. Here's one of the main ways they lead. Verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls. Keeping watch over your soul. The Puritan John Owen says in his commentary on Hebrews, herein lies the whole duty of the pastoral office. The whole duty. Verse 17, one of the primary jobs, one of the primary roles and responsibilities of an elder is watching. It is to keep watch. Watching is what pastors do. In 1 Timothy 4, verse 16, Paul says they are to watch their lives and their doctrine closely. So they're to watch over their own lives. Again, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, pastors are exhorted to pay careful attention and to watch over one another. So we don't just work together as elders, we must keep watch over each other as well. Pastors, listen, pastors need pastors too. Do you realize that? But here, in verse 17, they are keeping watch, he says, over your souls. This is one of the primary responsibilities of an elder. F.F. Bruce says in his commentary on Hebrews, no wonder pastors lose sleep. In fact, that word to keep watch it comes from a word that means to chase away sleep. Do you realize, church, that any good pastor often lays awake at night thinking about you and your soul? There must be a certain vigilance in pastoral ministry. Peter O'Brien, he says in his commentary, keeping watch means to go sleepless. Godly leaders 
are to be diligent and tireless. He says, looking after the lives of all in their care, but practically and particularly those who are negligent and prone to spiritual laziness. Verse 17, pastors must keep watch. Pastors are to diligently watch over. They are to care for souls. Beloved, do you realize that your soul needs the watchful care, the watchful eye of faithful, caring, godly pastors? Do you realize that? Do you realize that your soul needs to be watched over? Because if you've never thought about your pastors and pastoral ministry in that way, then you have a very unbiblical view of what pastors are called to do. And listen, you have a very unhealthy view of yourself. A very proud view of yourself. If you don't think your soul needs to be watched over. Now why? Why are they charged with watching over souls? Why do I need pastors who will watch over and care for my soul? Well, just think about it with me for a moment in the context of the book of Hebrews. I want you to notice just a couple of places where we see this. One of the main purposes, one of the main aims in the book of Hebrews is to protect us from drifting away from faith in Christ. That, that's, in fact, that's the overall point of this book. The primary concern of the book of Hebrews is to keep you from drifting. John Owen, that's why he entitles his commentary on Hebrews, The Epistle of Warning. So, or you could put it positively, the aim of this book is to help you to persevere in faith to the end. That's the purpose of the book of Hebrews, to keep you from falling away, to keep you on the narrow path that leads to life and to keep you from drifting towards the broad path that leads to hell. Notice just a couple of places we see this. Look there in Hebrews chapter 12. Go back. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Beloved, one of the reasons you need pastors to watch over your soul is because of remaining sin. Because sin is subtle. Because sin is active. Because sin is pervasive. You need pastors to watch over your soul. Also, we see that sin is deceitful. Look back, Hebrews chapter 3. It's deceitful. Hebrews 3, verse 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceptive. It is, it is deceitful. It blinds us. And so, what we need is we need discerning, caring eyes of pastors who will watch over us because we can often be blind to our own sin. 
And they perhaps see better than we do. But then, there's also the possibility of drifting away. Falling away. Hebrews chapter 2. Go back one more chapter. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay close, much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Oh my. So, the book of Hebrews is actually about the importance of persevering in faith. It is about the possibility, friend, of you drifting away. And so listen, church, pastoral care then, get this, pastoral ministry is God's divinely appointed means of helping you persevere in your faith to the very end. It's one of the primary ways. It's not the only way, but it's one of the primary ways of receiving God's persevering grace so that you make it to the end and you are saved. And so the numerous warnings in the book of Hebrews, they should sober you and they should convince you of your need to have your soul watched over, to have your soul cared for, and you should want, you should desire to be watched over by caring, godly, discerning pastors. Because pastors are called to watch over your soul. And might I say, your soul is what is most important to us. That's our main concern. Why does the author use the word soul? I think it's because he wants you to see the eternal significance Our job is to help you and strengthen you to persevere in faith. Not to drift away. To prepare you for that future final day when you will stand before the judge and you will either hear him say to you, well done, or depart from me. And to Brian, to Johnny, to Scott, to myself, brothers, We are also reminded here that we will give an account for how we lead. In fact, look there, verse 17. For how we watch. Look what he says. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Give an account to whom? To God. To Jesus, who's the the chief shepherd. The one who owns the sheep. The, The one who died for the sheep. That on that day, we're going to answer to him for what is most precious to him. For those who were bought with his own blood. This is why, if you remember in our study of James, in James chapter 3, verse 1, James says, remember, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Oh my. There is a stricter judgment that is coming for us. And, And that means that no one should step into pastoral ministry lightly, Carelessly, and brothers, that should motivate our watching. But let me also remind us, men, 1 Peter 5, Peter says, Shepherd the flock of God, and when the chief shepherd appears, 
you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So, there is a special reward for those who shepherd and watch and care for the church faithfully. And so, brothers, we, we don't answer to them. We answer to God. And this is what should motivate every sermon, every teaching opportunity, every counseling session, every word, every exhortation, every rebuke, every decision we make, that we are called by God to watch over souls as those who will give an account. So this is the role of an elder. But notice, notice back in Hebrews 13, that while the author, he focuses on the nature of what pastoral ministry is, there to keep watch, he also gives here, notice, very specific commands to the church and how they respond to that leadership. Look there again. Point number two, the church's response to their leaders. The church's response to their leaders. And we see it very clearly there in verse 17. How is the church supposed to respond to its leaders? Verse 17, they are to obey and submit. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Friend, listen. If you aren't obeying and submitting to godly pastoral leadership, not only are you failing to give God acceptable worship, Hebrews 12, 28, but your soul could be in danger. I mean, this text, it couldn't be any more clear, could it? The reason, the reason that you should want to obey and submit to godly leadership is because they're charged with watching over your soul. Verse 17, notice that word obey, it can also be translated to persuade or to trust. To be persuaded or to trust. That word submit, which by the way, it's the only time that word is used in the New Testament, right here. It's a stronger word. It means to yield to. It means to accept as an authority. So in other words, obey and submit to your leaders means obey and submit to your leaders. (laughs) The text means what it says. Okay? The church is to respond to its leadership in obedience and submission. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 translates it like this, or, or says this, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. So the church's response is to obey and submit. Now again, we bristle at that. We bristle at that language, don't we? And perhaps rightly so. We've seen abusive pastoral authority. But those commands, they imply a certain level of authority that elders have and a certain level of accountability, church, that you have to them. So you're called to obey. You're called to submit. So let, 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 me, let me just give then a few qualifications about this authority, okay? 
But first, I, I, I want to make a, one rather obvious point here in verse 17, but sadly it's often overlooked. Verse 17, notice how it clearly outlines the necessity and the importance of church membership. Now you say, here he goes again, talking about church membership. It seems like he brings church membership all the time. And I say, yes, yes, it's, it's biblical. The New Testament assumes that every single Christian is an active member of a local church under the authority of elders. So don't tell me church membership isn't in the Bible. It's everywhere, including verse 17. Here's what I mean. Look at verse 17. Elders are to keep watch and will give an account. Keep watch over whom? Who, who are we to give an account for? It's not for everyone. It's not the guy at the church down the street, is it? No, it's those who have been entrusted to our care. It's, it's, it's this particular flock. So, how do we know who makes up the flock of Second Baptist Church? Shouldn't the sheep be numbered in some way? How? Friend, the answer is church membership. Or, who are those leaders that you're to submit to? Is it every pastor? Is it every elder? No. No. Answer, it's those you have committed yourself to in membership. And friend, let me tell you, this is why so many churches are in disarray today. It is because they have little to no emphasis on church membership and the importance of pastoral authority over the membership. But again, that word authority, it might not sit very well with you. So let me just make a few necessary qualifications here without minimizing those two commands to obey and submit. A few qualifications. Number one, qualification number one, our authority, our authority is a delegated authority. It's delegated by Jesus himself. Brothers, we are simply under shepherds. Church, we are under shepherds. We are not, we are not the chief shepherd. There is really only one shepherd. And he's the great shepherd of the sheep. In fact, notice at the end there of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20, the author of Hebrews is going to say in verse 20, now, many, or now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. So there's really one great shepherd. So listen, your, your pastors, they didn't die for your sins. No, there is only one who died. There is only one who was raised again. And he is the chief shepherd. He is the one who possesses all authority. He is the one to whom you belong, church. And so then, our authority as shepherds, it is merely a delegated authority. We are stewarding an authority that has been given to us by the chief shepherd. And so really then, our main job is to point you to the chief shepherd. That's what we do. It's a delegated authority. Qualification number two, though. Our authority is derived from Scripture. It's derived from Scripture. And what I mean 
is that elders do not possess inherent authority. No. It is derived only from the Bible. It is only the Bible that gives us our authority. So, our authority, it should never be confused with the authority of Scripture. So, what I mean is that your obedience and submission to your elders, it's not absolute. It's not absolute. It is limited to Scripture. You, you are to obey. You are to submit only insofar as your elders lead you under the authority of God's Word. So it's an authority that is derived from and defined by Scripture. In fact, look back at verse 7 for a moment. Hebrews 13, verse 7. It appears that the leaders mentioned here, as opposed to down in verse 17, are now gone. Perhaps they died, but their leading has come to an end, it seems, in verse 7. Look what he says. Remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way and imitate their faith. So it appears then that the only leaders who are worthy of imitating and remembering are those who led based on the word. Right? They spoke the word of God to you. So their leadership, their authority, it was based on the Bible. And it, it led their people into the Bible. And therefore, the author says, follow their leading. Imitate them. Why? Because they themselves are under the authority of the Bible. Which leads to qualification number three. Our authority is delegated, it's derived from Scripture, but it's based on personal example. Go back again to verse 7. He says, Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. So the le leaders who are worthy of imitating are those who live lives worthy of that imitation. You see that? There, there, there are only leaders who you are to obey and submit to who are worthy of that because of the way that they live. And listen, pastoral authority is compromised when a pastor's way of life is compromised. When his character is compromised. So in other words, men, the standard of holy living is high for us. It's very high for those in church leadership because without it, there's no authority. There's no authority. This is why among the qualifications for elders, right? 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, among those qualifications, there is so little about a man's gifting. Do you realize that? But what you see is there is so much about his character about his godliness, about his holiness, about a pastor's home life. Why? Because their authority is based on personal example. And when that's compromised, there's no authority. Now that isn't to say that church leaders aren't sinners. We are sinners. But this authority 
This authority must be an accountable authority. And so because we are sinners, hear me church, listen, we are never beyond, we are never beyond your input. We are never beyond your observations, your exhortations, your corrections, your rebukes. Do you hear me? We are never beyond that. This is where so many churches go so wrong. Because there, there is no accountability for the leadership. They're insulated from it. This is why we need the accountability of each other. This is why each of us are actively involved in a small group. This is why we need your input. So, if you ever see us in sin, if you ever see us in error, it is not outside of your responsibility to point that out to us. So this is your responsibility to your leaders. You are to obey and you are to submit. But finally, finally, I want you to see the relationship between leaders and church members. So, having made this distinction now between the role of an elder, the responsibility of a church member, I, I just want you to see here the, the inseparable nature between them. Because, again, like I said at the beginning, Effective pastoral ministry is dependent upon your response to that ministry. So notice the, the relationship that's mentioned here. Look at verse 17 again. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. But then notice verse 17. Let them, let the elders, do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So notice the relationship here. Verse 17. Let them, let the elders lead. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Because of church members who refuse to obey and to submit. For that would be of no advantage to you. So do you, do you notice the author's reasoning here? Do you see it there? It's a twofold reason. The reason church members are to obey the reason they are to submit to their leaders, notice, twofold, it is for the joy of their leaders. Let them do it with joy and for their own good. Because it would be of no advantage to you. So first, notice, for the joy of the elders. Verse 17, let them, let the elders do this. Let them lead with joy and not with groaning. So the command to obey and submit is for the ultimate goal of making their pastors happy. This is what will happen when a church responds appropriately to the leadership of its elders. Their pastors will have joy. Church, do you want happy pastors? Right? Listen, God wants happy pastors. He wants joyful pastors. Unhappy pastors don't represent Jesus very well. Have you ever met a grumpy, bitter, unhappy pastor? Now listen, a lot of this, past, pastors, listen, a lot of this is our responsibility, okay? It is our responsibility to, to get our hearts and to get our souls in a place where we are happy in God. 
We delight in God. We have joy in God. We have to do this every day in pastoral ministry. Why? Because it's hard work. It's hard work, and we are responsible not to complain, not to grumble, not to become bitter when ministry is hard and church members are difficult, but this is what we must do. We must be happy in ministry. But church, there is a role that you play in all of this as well. And your goal, listen, your goal is, it should be that your pastors are the happiest pastors on the planet. Now, I sound really self-serving there, don't I? But it's true. And do you know what will make your pastors happy? It's not pay raises and gifts, as great as those things are. It's not encouraging emails, although those are much needed. There's a brother in this church, I'm not going to mention him, he sends me an email almost every single week. You know who you are, thank you. But that's not what will make them happy. You know what will make them happy? The answer is actually in the text. What makes them happy, verse 17, is when you obey and you submit. In other words, it is seeing you walk in godliness and obedience to Christ. It is seeing you grow in holiness, in serving the church, and becoming a more faithful husband, a more faithful wife, a more faithful parent, a more faithful employee. It's seeing you edify the body. It's seeing you engaged in the life of the church. This is what will make your pastors happy. Leaders can't lead. They're going to have no joy in leading if people don't follow, if people don't obey, if people don't submit. So obey and submit for the joy of your elders. But second, notice also, it's not only for the joy of your elders, it's also for your own good. Verse 17. You see here, it seems as though the writer, he's appealing to their own (laughs) self-interest on the part of the church member as motivation. Verse 17. For that would be of no advantage to you. So notice this beautiful exchange that's going on here where where the elders, where Brian and Johnny and myself and now Scott, where we are, we are working for your joy, for your growth, and in exchange, you are also working for ours. Beloved, God's commands, they're never oppressive. They're always intended for our good. They're always intended for our joy. And hear me, where this is happening, where this is happening in a church, where where this is the air that we're breathing and this is the culture of Second Baptist Church. You know what it's going to mean? Here's what it's going to mean. It's going to mean effectiveness in ministry. It's going to mean that the gospel is advanced in our community. It's going to mean that this church is edified and it's built up and it's strengthened. It's going to mean fruitfulness and joy and growth and godliness in the lives of your pastors and the lives of each other. That's what it's going to mean. John MacArthur, he was once asked about the secret of ministry success at Grace Community Church. I know many of you respect the ministry of Grace Community Church. Here's what he said. He says, people often ask me what the secret is to Grace Community Church's growth over the decades. He says, in the midst of the tremendous numerical growth, however, the spiritual vitality of our church has been remarkable. I'm convinced, he says, That God's blessing has been upon us. How would you finish that? 
He says, because our people have shown a strong commitment to biblical leadership and biblical ministry. The reason God's hand of blessing has been upon them, he says, is because of their commitment to biblical leadership and biblical ministry. May that be us. And so very practically, what should your obedience, what should your submission look like, church? What's the application for you, for the elders, for this church? Let me just give you a few as we close. A few brief applications. Number one, your obedience and submission means your responsiveness to the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. There is nothing that brings your pastors more joy than when you respond to God's Word preached, God's Word being taught, God's Word being counseled in your life. It is our job to bring the Word of God to you, to lead you in the Word of God, and that it is your responsibility, church, to respond in obedience and submission to that Word joyfully and with worship. So, how are you responding to God's word as it is preached, as it is taught? Are you responsive? Are you responsive? Are you obeying? Are you submitting to that word? Do, you, do your elders know it? Are you engaged? Third John, verse 4, John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So, are you being obedient and submissive to the word? Here's the second application. Your obedience and submission means your active participation in the life of this church. Your pastors can't watch over you if you're not here when we gather. Nor can you obey and submit to our leadership, if you're hardly ever here. Now, I want to tread very lightly here, okay? Especially given the current circumstances and situation we find ourselves in right now, because I, I recognize why some are away right now due to health concerns and measures, COVID symptoms. I get it. I get it, okay? So I want to tread lightly. But listen, your attendance, your participation when we gather is extremely important. Sunday mornings are important. Small group attendance is very important because our ability to watch over your soul is dependent upon your involvement in the life of the church. Do you realize that? Why? Because, beloved, these are some of the ways in which we care for your souls. This is the setting in which you respond appropriately to the leading of the elders. And so it means gathering with the local church, as you're able to do so right now, it should be of utmost importance to you. It should be one of your highest priorities. It should dominate every other calendar event, every other activity in your life. And listen, it's not so we feel good about you attending stuff. 
It's because it is a means of grace in your life to help you persevere in faith to the end. It's that important. And it means your service in the life of this church. I mean, every member of the church. This is nothing unique. I mean, this is just biblical Christianity here. Every member of the church should be consistently and meaningfully engaged in the life of the church. Serving in the church. And if you're not, if you're not, you are failing then in your role as a member of the body and you're failing to obey and submit to your leaders. Third, your obedient submission means that when we do something that you don't like, and I promise it will happen, in fact, maybe it's already happened, when we make decisions that you don't like, when we make decisions you don't agree with, when, when we do something that offends you, here's how you can fulfill verse 17. You don't hold it in. You don't become hard-hearted toward your leadership. You don't let the root of bitterness set in. You don't complain. You don't stir up discontentment. You don't slander your leaders. No, here's what you do. You come to us. You come to us so that we can sit down with you and we can talk to you and we can pray with you that you may have legitimate observations we need to hear or maybe you have a perspective that needs to be informed or is a little off base, but you show respect to God-given leaders by your humble, obedient submission. Fourth, thank you for making us happy pastors. Verse 17 is more of a commendation for this church than it is a rebuke or a correction. Thank you. Fifth, pray for and support your elders. Pray for our leadership. Pray for our protection. Pray for our growth and godliness. And it means, church, it means you need to make the commitment to protect your elders. It means that any slander against the elders of the church, it should never be tolerated. And you should speak up. It's your responsibility to do so. And any accusation against them, it should be brought with the utmost seriousness and with clear evidence. First Timothy 5. Why? Because we're such tender souls? No. Because it protects the trust and the unity of the church. And ultimately, the reputation of the church and of Christ. It's no small thing. Sixth. I know I'm going long, but I have some things I want to say. Sixth. I want to speak directly to Brian and Johnny for just a moment. Brothers, I love you. I'm so thankful for each one of you. The wisdom, the counsel, the support, the the edification that I've received from both of you. Mark Dever, he wrote this about a plurality of elders. He said this, and I couldn't agree more. He says, probably the single most useful thing for me in pastoral ministry has been the recognition of a group of men in our church as elders. Knowing that these are men that the congregation has recognized as gifted and godly has helped me immensely in my pastoral work. 
We meet and we pray and we talk over matters and by doing so, they greatly supplement my wisdom so my own experience attests to the usefulness of following the New Testament practice of having more elders in a local church than simply a lone pastor. Yes, I too can attest to that. There's been nothing more helpful to my ministry than these two men. Thank you. Finally, let me speak directly to you, Scott. Brother, this is what you've been called to. It is a high calling. It is a noble calling. It is a serious calling. I know you know that. You wouldn't be right where you are right now if you didn't. But let me just remind you again, as we saw earlier, it is a rewarding calling. And I pray, I pray that your joy as an elder, it would be full. I pray more that your joy in God would be full and that overflow into leading. And I pray, may God give us strength. May he give you strength to faithfully pastor and lead this church for the good of this church, for the advancement of the gospel, and for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for the good shepherd, Jesus himself, who's laid down his life for the sheep, who's shown us what leadership looks like. And I pray for the elders of this church, Lord, would you help us to lead like him? Would you help us to lead with faithfulness? I pray for Scott as he steps into this role. May he lead with godliness, faithfulness. And may this church, Lord, thank you for this church. May it continue to follow the leadership of the elders in obedience and submission for the health of the church and for the glory of Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing of our Good Shepherd. We trust you were encouraged by the message you heard. For more information about our church, visit us online at www.secondbaptist-mtv.com or call us at 618-244-1706. And thank you for listening.